0: What a joy to be with you this morning. Uh, You know, the past few years have been pretty traumatic on all of us, but it's been particularly traumatic on churches and on the staff of churches. And that's why I'm so thankful for Tom and uh, the team that's here, the leadership team, because they have persevered through this difficult time. And I just wanna bless them that they continue to guide and shepherd us as we're all navigating through the, the new normal that we're facing. But uh, thank you, staff, for uh, being there for us for all these uh, difficult times. I'm gonna challenge each one of you to. There's a verse, it's in uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 2. It says, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the Harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. That's Luke 10, 2. And I have set my phone at, for 10 o'clock, for two minutes after 10, every day. And when that alarm goes off, guess who I pray for? I pray for the, the staff of this church. And I pray for God's blessing on them. And I encourage you to pray the Lord of the Harvest because these guys are working in the field but we also need new workers so pray two things at 1002 every day pray for the staff of this church and pray that god would raise up new workers it's through prayer that great things are accomplished i confess i'm a jason bourne fan i love all of the movies i've watched them multiple times in the bourne identity uh, Matt Damon plays a CIA super agent who's suffering from amnesia and he's trying to figure out who he is. And he's in this the mountains in Switzerland, and this this gal, Marie, picks him up and they're driving, and she's just asking simple questions to him. And you know, he, he he's running from the police, but he doesn't know why. You know, he, he can notice things that normal people never notice. And she asked him this simple question, and he turns to her and he says desperately, I don't know who I am, and I don't know where I'm going. And I think that's a perfect depiction for our culture these days. There are so many people who have no idea who they are, and they don't know where they're going. They have no ultimate purpose in life. They have no ultimate meaning. They don't have any goals for their life, and they're just wandering through existing one of the realities of living in the me generation is that every day the media fans into flame narcissism hedonism entitlement and self-gratification it's all about you that's that's the culture that we live in that the mission is you and whatever you want yet ironically boredom, discontentment, despair, depression, anxiety, and anger are at epidemic levels. Something's wrong. And everybody knows it, but nobody wants to talk about it. And it's just not the U.S. The U.K. revealed in a, a poll that a staggering 89% of young people in Britain between the ages of 18 and 29 felt their lives were meaningless, meaningless, and without purpose. Just last month in Psychology Today, on June June 7th, an article was written by some clinical psychologists in uh, Beijing University, and they they labeled a new syndrome for Chinese students called Empty Hearts Syndrome. And what it is, is that these high-achieving Chinese students reach the pinnacle of their careers. They get everything that they dreamed of, and when they get to the top, guess what they discover? Empty hearts. And this clinical psychologist, Shu uh, Kawen, said that 40% of the students that he was encountering were suffering from empty heart syndrome. So let's get personal, just for a moment. Why did you get out of bed this morning? What was the reason? You got out of bed you're standing up and what did you say was the mission the purpose the goal of this day what was going through your mind who are you where are you going on July 4th weekend that's what this is all about we're in the book of philippians and i'm here just to summarize the first chapter and Just for the moments that we have together, I want to examine Paul's mission, his purpose, his goals, and then apply it to our purpose, our mission, and our goals. And I'm just going to pick out two verses. Two weeks ago, Tom spoke on Jesus in the center. And uh, verse 11, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, fruit is the... uh, product of being connected to the vine. You never just see an apple sitting there. The apple's always connected to the branch of the tree. The grapes are always connected to the vine. There's always a connection. And when you're connected to Jesus Christ as the center of your life, there's going to be fruit that's going to be produced. It's going to be righteousness. It's going to be peace. Uh, particularly in this book, there's a lot of joy that's found being from connected to the vine. But the reality is that we were made for this relationship of Jesus at the center of our lives, that we would be intertwined with him in such a way that our lives produce this fruit. And it is only Jesus that can produce that. There is nothing in this culture that can produce joy, peace, happiness, contentment outside of a relationship with the living God. We need to be in union with him. So put the let's connect these dots. So if your life is filled with anxiety, you don't have any peace, you don't have any, you know, purpose, it's probably because you're not connected to Jesus at the center. So do a little bit of an inventory right now. How much joy do you have in your life? I mean, here's the apostle Paul. I mean, he's a great illustration. He's under house arrest. He's a prisoner. He's facing possible execution. There's strife in the church. He has no income from two years, yet in the midst of all of this, his joy is overflowing. How is that possible? It's only because Jesus is the center, and he's in a union with him. A second verse, verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. The apostle had a single purpose for his life. Living or dying, he wanted to be with Jesus. Now living, he would be able to help Jesus build the church. Jesus is on this glorious mission of building the church, which is a great thing for us to do. But in dying, he gets to see Jesus face to face. And he's torn between those two. But mark it well. Every day that Paul woke up, as he gets out of bed, his single focus is today's is the day that I want to live with Jesus Christ on his mission, connected to him, whether it's living or dying, it's all about Jesus. Now, all of us say amen to this. Oh, that's great. Go, Paul. You're doing it great. You're knocking it out of the park. But what happens in life is that while we agree with that and while we might encounter that at various moments of our lives, there is a, a process that happens to all of us. It's called missional drift. And while we, we agree with this, this is a great goal to have connected to Jesus, with Jesus and everything, there's this thing that happens where we start drifting away from what we know should be the priority in our life. It happens to organizations slowly, silently, with little fanfare, but it also happens to all of us. It's happened to me numerous times. We sing this song, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Oh, I've wandered so many times from the God that I love. So we're all in danger. No one is exempt from the danger of drifting. And over the past two years from the where I'm sitting in the stadium, the missional drift of the church has never been greater than it has in the last 24 months. Our churches have drifted away from their mission. People have drifted away from their love of God. And we're finding the church today just struggling to reconnect to our purpose our goal, and our aim. Are you open to the possibility that you have drifted? Have you considered that you might have suffered from missional drift over the last two years or even longer? I want to end with a story and a prayer. And uh, the story is a story about a sermon. And there's a few sermons that happen that are like instrumental in impacting a generation. Billy Graham preached some in 1957 in LA. I put him on the map and he was on the map for the next you know, 30, 40 years of his life. But there was a sermon preached 22 years ago by John Piper at one of the first Passion Conferences. It was held in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. There were 40,000 students in attendance. And this This sermon has gone on to impact that entire generation. And the sermon was about making a difference in life. And Piper said, you know what, if you want your life to count, you don't have to have an IQ. You don't have to have a high EQ. You don't have to be smart, good-looking, rich, powerful, or famous. But what you need to do is you need to have a glorious mission in life. If you want your life to count, You have to have a purpose and a mission that is eternal. And then he said, I'm going to tell you a story about two ladies in in his church. And their names were Ruby Ellison and Laura Edwards. And they had just recently both been killed in the nation of Cameroon. And Ruby was over 80 years old. She was single her entire life. But it was her passion to serve the poor, and to preach the gospel to the unreached people in Cameroon. And uh, Laura Edwards was a widow, a medical doctor, and she and Ruby were serving side by side. Laura would minister to the people physically and also spiritually. And one day these two 80-year-old ladies were driving their Jeep in Cameroon, and they went around a corner, and the brakes failed, and the Jeep went off of a ledge and crashed And in an instant they were killed. And Piper said, is that a tragedy? He said, it wasn't a tragedy. Just think these two ladies, 20 years past the time when everybody else retired, take it easy. They're pouring their life out for Jesus Christ. And one day they're serving in Cameroon, they're driving their Jeep, and in the next moment they're standing face to face with their Savior said so that's not a tragedy that's glorious he said let me tell you what tragedy is and he brought out reader's digest and he he said let me read you the story of bob and penny he said bob and penny took an early retirement from their jobs in the northeast 5 years ago when he was 59 and she was 51 Now they live in Punta Gorda, Florida, where they cruise on their 30-foot trawler, play softball, and collect seashells. He said, that's the tragedy. The tragedy is the American dream. The tragedy is that one day, Bob and Penny are going to stand before the living God, and he's going to say, what did you do with your life? And they're going to say, Lord, look at our boat. And you should see my swing. Wow, I got the swing down. I'm batting 500. And seashells. Lord, here are our seashells. He goes, that is a tragedy. They have wasted their lives in a pursuit of something that is absolutely meaningless. What's your dream today? If it's the American dream... You're wasting your life. The purpose that we have is to put Jesus at the center of our hearts, the center of our lives, to live every day for him. And whether it's living or dying, connected to Jesus, it doesn't matter. Whenever we're connected to Jesus, we are investing in that which is eternal. Don't waste your life. Invest it. In those things that are eternal. A prayer for you that my mentor taught me many years ago, and I prayed it. I pray it often, just about every day. It's a very simple prayer. Uh, It's a prayer that you need to use your hands to do. It's a prayer of dedication, and I'm going to pray it and show you how to do it. And then we're going to pray it together, okay? And if you remember the words, that's great. If you don't, you'll remember the actions. You can see it over here. Lord, I give you my mind that I might reflect your thoughts. I give you my eyes that I might see what you see. I give you my ears that I might hear your voice and the cry of your people. I give you my mouth that I might speak words of life. I give you my heart that it might reflect yours. I give you my hands that I might serve others. I give you my feet that I might carry the gospel to the word and walk on paths of righteousness. Lord, I give you all that I am to become all that you want me to be in Christ. So just remember the actions, okay? Would you pray this? This is going to be your prayer now. I'll pray it out loud. You point to the objects and give them to Jesus. Lord, I give you my mind, that I might reflect your thoughts. I give you my eyes, that I might see what you see. I give you my ears, that I might hear your voice and the cries of your people. I give you my mouth, that I might speak words of life. I give you my heart that I might reflect yours. I give you my hands that I might serve others. I give you my feet that I might carry the gospel to the world and walk on paths of righteousness. I give you all that I am so that I might be all that you want me to be today. Amen. Tom's going to join me. We're going to take a little bit of a deeper dive into this. And uh, the first question for today is, what are some of the distractions that we face in our culture that cause missional drift?
1: So we we have, sorry, we have a, I'm going to grab this. And so everybody at home can hear you. We have a microphone that, um, can I ask one of you guys to run this around? Thanks, man. It's a, it's a big job. Don't drop me. You're good. You're good. I'll tell you where to, where to go. Somebody was gonna raise their hand. <clears throat> so, I mean, we should just, thanks, Scott. Like, I don't know if you guys have picked up on it, but Scott has done this once or twice before. <laughs> so, and if you forgot, the questions are up on the, our makeshift screen over there, if you, if you forgot
0: them. But. Yeah, so we want to talk about distractions. What distractions? Obviously, you don't have this, but maybe you have a friend that has a distraction.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Could you bring the mic back to Stacy?
2: Yep. I'm a, all I'm going to say is money.
0: <laughs> money. Yep. yep. And the pursuit of money, right? Not
1: not enough money. Yeah. Good one. You want to give your sister the microphone?
2: Electronic devices.
1: Oh. Electronic devices. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I get so caught up and just like I can get trapped in a mindless scroll. Right? You pick my head up in like 45 minutes, going like, oh my gosh, what just happened?
0: I think the number of touches the average is now 63 a day. Grabbing yeah. your grabbing for the device. Grabbing yeah. your device, checking it out. <clears throat> And, you know, the number of hours is over two hours and 20, something like two hours, 23 minutes a day. So think about it, folks. If you could just take a third of that, you know, invest it in something better, that'd be, that'd be great. And better is eternal.
1: Yeah. Other thoughts on distractions? Career. Oh, career. Yeah. Dad just grabbed the microphone right out of your hand. (laughs) Come over here, give it to Joe. Yeah, career, like absolutely, right? We're supposed to provide for our families, and we get all caught up in in doing that, and it takes 60, 70 hours a week. And
2: traffic on I-95.
0: Yeah. And you know what? I I'm not in that. But when I when I find myself in that traffic, I get upset inside. It. It really causes an emotional reaction with them. I'm wasting time, and yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. And it still gets you upset just looking at it.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, okay. Go ahead, Marty.
2: Oh, my biggest problem is spending hours every single day on my iPhone. I don't know how to get rid of it.
1: So it's. It's not just a generational thing, right? (laughs) Dianata and Marty both share the same same distraction.
0: Could I put one more in here? Um, I think a huge distraction is just noise. For us to hear the voice of God, guess what we need to create? Quiet, Hmm. silence. He will not whisper above anything. Right. And unless this was the Pete Scacero series, he was just spot on. The need for us to create silence in our lives. I don't know where you have your silent place, but you need to have a silent place where you can go and say, Lord, this is my silent chair. I'm going to sit in this chair and I want to hear what you have to say to me and give him time to speak.
1: Yeah, like so for me, I can do that in my office, but like Gail's got to get out of the house. Right, because the, the space is important, because if she looks around, she's like, oh, I should, you know, make that phone call. I should, like, do those dishes. I should, you know, do whatever. And so she gets, she has a space. That, I'm not going to tell you where it is, right? It's her, her space, but that she goes for that, for that silence. And I would r- write hand in hand with that is that my, like, distraction, I guess, of choice is speed. Right, go, 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 go. All of this requires us to slow down, slow
0: down. all right let's jump to the second question what is the best way to discern if you're a victim of missional drift so again maybe you know a victim but uh what what could we do for us to understand have we drifted from mission and purpose what would you suggest would be some ways that we could discern that
1: and for you folks watching online, participating online, we would love to get your thoughts on this too. I'm watching my phone. Leanne's watching her phone. So please feel free to put some thoughts in the, in the comments. Leanne? Um, I've, that empty heart syndrome really spoke to me in that I think at the end of the day, you have that feeling, like you know like there's this sense of emptiness or
2: sense of drift. <laughs> like in your quiet space you just have this sense of like, what was that all about? Like, yeah.
0: True. Yeah, we know. We but we denial ain't just a river in Egypt. <sighs> we live on denial.
1: All right, so you guys this this part of the room is really quiet. Not saying, you know. You don't have to participate, but just if anybody was keeping score, you know.
0: <laughs> Again,
1: <laughs> I think it's not just one word. It's more like when you start really caring about stuff that you know 10 years from now is going to mean nothing. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, it's not really that important. Right. But why do I care so much? You've got to have some self-awareness with it. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah. And Debbie, right behind, a couple rows behind you.
2: I was just going to say, if uh, you start sinning, uh, maybe drinking or doing things that you should not be doing for your health.
1: Yeah, so um, you go right back to, so those things, right? I've referred to those as pseudo joys, right? Paul found his joy in having Christ in the center. And when we don't have that, we will look to food and drink and drug and spending and whatever, whatever else to like fulfill us and it, it comes up short every time thanks debbie go ahead rick
0: i think when you start to realize that you're not doing things like you're you're not attending church like you're not praying uh you know just two things that came to mind even when i was sitting here before you started talking about that was um you know things that i wasn't doing right and then when you started talking about missional drift i kind of connected to that
1: Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. The things we're not doing are speak volumes. Maybe we jump to that last one.
0: How do you keep Jesus as the top priority and mission of your life? What are some of your best practices in doing this? How do you keep Jesus as the center?
2: Um, I, was, I just have something simple. I just t- talk to Jesus every day. So every morning I talk to him on my way to work because that's where I need it most.
1: <laughs>
0: <Yep>.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Debbie. Talk to Jesus. Angelo.
0: I'm cheating. So this is kind of like all three things in one, <laughs> a little bit. Um, so, like, I find that I get in a rut, and I get into a rut pattern of doing the same things over and over. So I think the, the more important thing of getting out of that like, pattern is to find out where you're locked in the rut and try to get out of it. So, like, understanding, like, what, you, what sort of things you go to. Like, I go to work, go home, go on my computer, go to sleep. Like, understanding, like, that is, like, a problem and making steps to figure out what to do about it.
1: Yeah, those ruts can pull you in.
2: The music that I listen to in the car, at work, at home.
1: Right behind you, up in the booth.
2: I think of it like driving a car and that it's a lot easier to do a lot of little small motions than like one big, like, wait till you're way off and do a big veer back on course. So I think what's been important to me is a lot of the stuff we were talking about um, over the past year with like the daily office and having times
0: of prayer built in, times of reading the Bible, because I think... You know, those little nudges that you get when you're around other people, when you're in church, when you're reading the Bible, are a lot better as a course corrector than, you know, when you realize you're way off and you have to make, like, a 90-degree turn.
1: Right. Leanne, do you want to read Marie's? Oh, we're going to Marty's. Okay.
2: I read so many books, and um, and I found that before I pick up a book, I pick up the Bible. And I find good things to read. Sometimes I don't even read the next book because the Bible is so interesting. Number two. (laughs) Number two is that I've always been the kind of person that would only stay interested in people that like the same thing that I liked. Um, You know, with the yarn, um, with getting together groups that would uh, talk together, even the Bible group. But now I'm trying to reach out to the people that walk down my driveway, even if we don't have the same interest at all. It's a big job. <laughs> <laughs> but a good part of uh, meeting the people is really listen to others.
1: It's a wealth of wisdom right there, Marty. Thank you. And Marie, Marie shared that same thought. She, um, she shared online, open my Bible app before any social media slash email on my phone every day. Make that a that a priority.
0: Yeah, a good way to do that is first word, last word. Have God's word be the first word of the day and the last word before you go to sleep in some way bring him into those key moments. Yep. Is that Rick Warren? I think it's Rick Warren. I have no idea. I borrowed so much over the years.
1: It all melts together. (laughs) Well, you guys, thank you so much for for your participation and, and sharing your thoughts and stuff. I would encourage you to, uh, to keep this conversation going amongst yourselves, your friends and family who weren't here today, um, and be thinking about that idea of Jesus in the center, right? and how little things can, can pull us away, and how little things like gratitude, and first word, last word, little things can, can pull, us, pull us back on, on track.